Welcome to the Village of Manlius podcast. Um, I am Village Trustee Hank Chapman. I am here today with our end of the year edition with my special guest, retiring Onondaga County Legislator Kevin Holmquist. Um, spirit of full disclosure, uh, Kevin and I grew up together on Candy Lane many, many years ago. We were roommates in college at Syracuse University, and we um, kind of been involved in politics and government together uh, for all of the years since that time. So uh, with that introduction, uh, I think it's fitting that we're here talking to Kevin on the eve of his retirement from public service uh, in the room where it all started. Uh, tell us about your, your beginnings in politics and how it started here in this Manliest Village boardroom. Oh, first of all, it's very nice to be here with you, Hank Chapman. I uh, appreciate the invitation very much. Um, we are here in the Harold Hopkinson uh, Manliest Village Boardroom, and it does bring back memories, for sure. I served with Harold. Uh, the, I remember the Saturday after I took office, he invited me over to his home, and him and his wife, <clears throat> Betty, were, really rolled out the red carpet and uh, served us lunch, and we went over the entire village budget line by line. I can imagine. At the time, it was a three, $3.5 million budget, and uh, then we had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so Betty was very gracious. He brought lunch and dinner, but there was, uh, it was very um, welcoming uh, to come here, and, and so many wonderful people in the village. It was fantastic. You were elected at the age of 24? 24 at the time. I was the youngest elected official in Onondaga County. And uh, one of the, the fun one-liners is I uh, beat my seventh grade social studies teacher, <laughs> Tom Hennigan, to get elected. But what actually happened was we had a, a best of three out of the five. So it's an at-large election. And Tom came in fourth. And on election night, he was very gracious. And he was a wonderful man. He, uh, he said it's very fitting that the teacher is uh, being replaced by the student. And he too was very helpful in getting me involved in the village and assimilated in. He was extremely helpful. Um, my goodness, Herb Warner was very helpful, Ed Lowenstein, Archie Albanese, uh, Rick Penhall. Uh, really a wonderful board at the time and a um, lot of long-serving people, but uh, they were very welcoming to a 24-year-old young man that came in not knowing a whole lot, but very energetic and active to learn here, interesting in learning. And what were some of those meetings like? What were some of the, when you look back at it, accomplishments or, or things you're proud of in your service to the village? Yeah, uh, two things come to mind. First of all, is uh, what were the meetings like? The very first meeting, all three television, all three television stations were here. The room was packed. Uh, there was a flooding issue up in Meadowstream. And it was a pretty hot meeting, and it was my first meeting. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is going to be quite a ride, which that does happen and did happen over the years from time to time on different issues. Yep. But I'd say in the, the 10 years that I was on the Manliest Village Board, to me, the, the biggest accomplishment, and there were many, um, was the fact that the village was instrumental in really being a pilot program for okra. And they instituted a, a recycling program that was way ahead of all the other municipalities at the time. And they, uh, Herb had up on the board, he tracked on a graph manually where the percent of tonnage of trash that we were moving over to recycling. 
and the village at the time had a incentive program with stickers and they sold for a dollar and um, long story short the village actually sought out uh, end users for the recyclable material as far away as New Jersey and marketed that and okra really used us as a template it started in the 80s but by the time I got here it was really going and it really was very 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 active up until the whole time that I was there in at which point okra was really up and running and then everybody was on board but the village of Manly's led the way yeah <clears throat> and then um, <clears throat> 10 years you served on the village board 10 years yeah and, basically throughout the 90s yep and then you were appointed to serve when I was town supervisor on the on the town board yes yep I uh, was appointed to the town board and um, ran in a special election uh, to fill out the vacancy of a uh, uh, one of the councilors that stepped down and then ran again the third year so it was three years in a row I ran in 99 2000 and 2001 for the full four-year term for the Manliest Town Board and we had a great town board at the time uh, did a great job budgeting things like that um, oh, what yeah. are some of your memories on the town board yeah, the town board, I remember, I really feel like our town had a legacy from Dick Lohenberg, very much like Archeobany's in the village of Manlius, where we had a 10% fund balance policy, uh, which really maintained very high bond ratings in both municipalities. And then we had tremendous leadership over the years. So when I got there and you were our town supervisor, our board was absolutely fantastic. Um, although I was only there for uh, four and a half years, um, I know you appointed me to be the chair of the Intermunicipal uh, Consolidation Cooperation uh, Task Force, which was, uh, in, and uh, I mean, that was a, yeah, I was there for a number of years. Most of the time I was on the board, I think. Yeah. And then uh, subsequent to that, you appointed me to be the chair of the Trash District Committee and the Brush District Committee, which I believe you called at the, thir at the time the third rail in politics, <laughs> uh, which is true. Yeah. And those two committees, I, I was very proud of our, you gave us directive on what to do and process matters. Thank you, John Luffler. They would pick that <laughs> term up from him, process matters. And we really did go out into the community and gather input from all corners of the town, Fayetteville, Manoa, Manlius, Fremont, and Kirkville, and had public meetings. And we got the feedback and we were able to come up with a really a great plan that enabled anybody to opt out, including HOAs, villages. So all three villages are still in the trash district in the brush district today, but they've opted out. But if at any point in the future, if they wanted to join, they could. And that was true for individuals and it was true for HOAs. So it was really, it got buy-in from the community, which was fantastic. And that was an <clears throat> overwhelming success. Obviously we had some 90, big number percent that uh, chose to stay in um, we were able to reduce costs right mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. less trucks going through the neighborhoods on a regular basis oh yeah um, but while still giving people the option to opt out that's right that's a very good point people forget there at the time there were trash trucks running all over the town seven days a week very inefficient charging people three four hundred dollars or more per year at the time and I believe the first year, the trash district, if you were in it, cost $117 a year. And the brush was not much, maybe 25 or so. Yeah. And people had the option to do that or not. And as you said, most people did. But they appreciated the fact that 
we were open and transparent and people knew we had all these public meetings and people knew they could send in the postcard. This was before social media, <laughs> so they could send in the postcards. We, we had sent a out very newsletters new, and right. Yeah. Alerts and the media covered it very well and very nice. Yeah. It was a good process and I think if I remember right, the average person saved at least half on their trash bill. That's right. Yeah, many people, especially if you're in the outskirts, were paying three fifty, four hundred dollars a year. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they're in for hundred seventeen and getting great service once a week. So there's less trucks, less pollution, less um, interruption of neighborhoods and and far less cost. So that was really a good 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 process and a good outcome. So um, anything else in your time in the town that's uh, you want to reflect upon? Yeah, I I think um, even though I wasn't there a long time, I think it was very valuable. Uh, myself and Nick Marzola were both from villages, and we had we maintained outstanding relationships with all three villages. So. With the uh, our uh, consolidation, cooperation, and, and uh, collaboration task force that we had, we did open up lines of communication, and every village contributed. Every single department in every village, we had meetings. So wonderful people served on that board. Dick Sparrow, um, Barbara Rivette. Barbara Rivette was on that board. Uh, yeah, and, and some really great um, regular meetings that really shed a lot of light on things. And although you can't really point to some big, huge success like with the Trash District, it still, I think, moved the ball down the field for everybody involved, and it broke down the, the us versus them and tried, it made it more collaborative. I think it set the stage for a lot of positive things uh, after that. And one of the things that, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm struggling overcoming a little bronchitis here. One of the things that we, I think, accomplished, maybe not directly out of that <clears throat> committee, but at our time in the town was was the sharing of the code enforcement officer which oh, with yes. the three villages which Wonderful. saved them they were paying as i recall about half of what they were paying and they were getting um full-time rather than part-time service wonderful yeah. yeah that was really a lot of successes short-term and i think long-term it, it set the stage for a, a better working relationship and yeah. we always pointed to the highway department and the three dpws as the model yes yeah. they just do it they just get things done. They share equipment. They share resources. They support each other. They don't need lawyers or contracts. They just do it. And if everybody could do it like that, what a wonderful world that would be. <laughs> and it's, I guess, it's a good time to note, too, that long before your time and, and my time, the town of Manlius was a leader in consolidation of three police departments into one. That's and right. And that's kind of a model that has been used throughout the state um, as a big success story as well. Absolutely. And like you said, the key is towns and villages, town and villages working together, having those good relationships. Definitely. So 10 years on the village board, four and a half on the town board, mm -hmm. then you were appointed to the county ledge. Yes, uh, our county legislator of 25 years, Terry Pickard, uh, he left the, uh, resigned from the legislature to take on uh, chief legal counsel at Aqua at the time. So I was appointed by... County Executive Nick Pirro on Flag Day, uh, June 14th, uh, 2005. And um, it was uh, it was basically, yeah, I mean, I remember going in there. I, I didn't expect, it was a very short uh, time period to be able to, uh, with the appointment. So I was, uh, when I was appointed, 
Um, there was only a 10-day time period for, well, we had to have the committee vote first, so I didn't have a lot of time prepare, to prepare. I was actually running for the town board at the time. So it was very abrupt, very quick, um, and I got down there, and it, it's a, it was a very steep learning curve because there are 62 departments and agencies within county government. We have a one-plus billion-dollar budget. Even back then we did. And there's a lot to learn very quickly. And uh, the people I served with at the time were absolutely wonderful. And uh, I've been there now 16 and a half years. And lots of things have happened in that <laughs> period of time. Well, tell us some of those. Well, for starters, there's three county executives involved. So <laughs> everything's driven by the county executive in terms of initiatives. So uh, obviously all three of them very, very, very different. Um, but I learned um, from each of the, the era that each time I learned a lot. Um, the, uh, the county, I think, uh, even when, when Nick Pirro was there, I thought the, one of the great things about the county is they really are the very, even though there's 62 departments and it's a billion dollar operation, what they do, generally speaking, they do really, really well. And I don't think enough um, uh, accolades go to the county for really, honestly, world-class services. And I don't have a list, but off the top of my head, I'll name just a few. Uh, and I think you got to start with we have world-class water that we take for granted, but we have the cheapest, highest quality, most plentiful water supply in the world. And very few areas of the world have this, and we have a, a pipe that goes right into uh, Lake Ontario, the easement was um, agreed upon back in the 60s with uh, Onondaga County Water Authority and the Metropolitan Water Board. So where water goes, goes the development. And we have the best water system through aqua in the world, I believe. Um, and most of the country is doesn't have enough water. So that's something that I think gives us a huge advantage, especially going forward. Um, and, and economic development opportunities and, <clears throat> and the right. like. Absolutely. And uh, some listeners here may be saying, what about the sewers? Well, <laughs> that's a great point. Just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> so there's a patchwork of sewer ownership throughout the county, and it's um, set up in uh, districts. So here in the Meadowbrook Limestone District where we live, which is uh, Village of Manlius, Village of Faithful, parts of the town of Manlius, uh, Pompey, and DeWitt, uh, honestly was the system that was in the worst shape, even worse than Metro in the city which is not in good shape. And we went about a couple years ago, got buy-in from all the boards, and we agreed that the county would take ownership of all those, uh, all that infrastructure. And now the county owns it, which means we it enables us to be able to go in and properly update the, the infrastructure and maintain the infrastructure. So that is going really, really well. We're on to the second. We shifted gears due to COVID. We took on the easiest uh, district in uh, the Lysander area, because of COVID, there were a lot of um, constraints and uh, issues with that. So we figured we'd do that because we've got it, we're, it's probably 12 years out, maybe up to 15. You're talking uh, $800, 900000000 million project all told. With inflation, I'm sure it'll be north of a billion at the end of it. But uh, we're, the county is acquiring that infrastructure and when that does happen, as we go along, the, all these sewer issues that have been terrible uh, for our area because of the aging infrastructure um, will become world-class as we go along, and they already are. 
and the <clears throat> obvious significance of that to us in the village of Manlius is that, as you said, aging infrastructure, it was going to be cost prohibitive for us to be able to maintain that system going forward. Absolutely. A small village no budget question. that was just, just not affordable, and the system that it all dumps into was in need of a lot of work, yeah. which the county has the ability to do no, much more so than a village. Village of Manlius had among the oldest pipes in the county, being the oldest village, has the oldest pipes, and it could at some point have been catastrophic to the village to not have been able to do anything about yeah. it. It's cost prohibitive, so it's great for Manlius for sure, and I think ultimately it's going to be really great for the region. Yep, for sure. So when COVID hit, all of a sudden, uh, the citizenry stood up and go, wow, we have a world-class health department. Oh, my gosh. We have a world-class <laughs> emergency management department. And suddenly, oh, my gosh, all these public safety departments that are stepping up to the challenges of COVID. And uh, they, I can tell you, largely toiled in anonymity for many, many, many years. And you know, we all knew how great they were. Right. And there's other emergencies that they've dealt with. And the health department's dealt with a litany of health issues in the county. So from time to time, they're front and center, but this was epic. And obviously the county executive, Ryan McMahon, has done an absolutely outstanding job leading the county and working with emergency management, all the public safety, first responders and the health department. Um, but as we got going, we made it through, through uh, navigated through the first wave of the pandemic. It became apparent also due to COVID, oh, we have world-class parks. What do you know? We have a world-class mid-sized zoo that people honestly do come all over, over the world to see specific exhibits that are exclusive to mid-sized zoos that people don't realize the experience that you can have touching um, an Asian elephant. And there's only seven zoos in North America that you can do that because they have to be bred in captivity. And because we have a breeding program that enables people to have that close-up interaction, same with the large cats uh, that you can't do at some of the large famous zoos like Toronto or Cincinnati or San Diego, and they're great for what they are. But in terms of mid-sized zoos, we, are, we have a crown jewel. There's no question about it. And during COVID, people are frequenting the parks. So you see, notice much higher visitorship to all the parks. Our Onondaga Lake Park is probably the, the top um, uh, park that people recognize, but certainly Beaver Lake and Pratt's Falls um, are, uh, have heavy visitation. And uh, the people are starting to recognize that uh, we have um, wonderful parks in, yep. the, in the county. And right here in the village of Manlius, Mill Run Park is, it has experienced you know, much larger visit, visitorship uh, due to COVID. So that's resources that we have here that people can enjoy. And if we didn't have the great bond rating and the great leadership in the county, those things wouldn't be possible. So I think that's something that people have recognized that we um, are very fortunate to have. Mm -hmm. So what other uh, accomplishments would you highlight from your 16 years with the county? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the, as, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many things that have happened in yeah. uh, county government, and not all, of, not all the huge accomplishments are sexy. Sometimes you get something bright and shiny like the amphitheater that gets passed uh, that people are excited about, and rightfully so. That, you know, it's certainly a wonderful asset for the, the community, and people can enjoy that. But something that I um, 
really focused on went with the, uh, I don't know of how many people remember, Bernie Kraft was our majority leader um, back when I first got there. And he was big on, in the, it literally says in the county charter that it's our responsibility to build and maintain county roads. And that is a core reason that the county exists, one of them. Mm-hmm. And our county roads, um, thank you, Marty Voss, thank you, DOT, thank you all the collaboration, the people that fund it, um, are all grayed out at nines and tens. And that doesn't get front front page uh, news, but they literally are world-class roads with the budgets. If Marty was here, would say it's with the budgets I have. (laughs) (laughs) But um, again, I mentioned earlier, you go right up and down uh, the list of everything that we do. The district attorney's office, the 911 center, are both nationally accredited and have been recognized repeatedly for their their, uh, accomplishments. Our sheriff's department is absolutely world-class and is on the road to accreditation, very much like the town of Manly's mm-hmm. police department. And with uh, Jason Caselli working there and a great leadership team, they're on their path to, to um, getting accredited. Uh, they would be accredited if it wasn't for the facilities, uh, and that's nobody's fault. Uh, it's it, Many of the facilities have aged out, so I think when we get there, they could legitimately claim that they are at a world-class accreditation level, which is really hard to get, and you have to be very good in lots of different areas. <clears throat> but as you look through county government, um, at the legislature, we only have two jobs. That's passing the budgets and policy. We set the policy for the county. Those are the only two things that we do. So when we are, our role is to fund great departments, but it's the county executive's job to execute on them. Mm-hmm. And we're very fortunate uh, that we have a great county executive that has done a great job with all of these departments, I think has been um, ha- has received well-deserved accolades uh, in his uh, uh, three years in office. <clears throat> Not to mention a leader in the pandemic response. He's provided great leadership throughout throughout you know for the residents throughout the district throughout the county. Most definitely, communication. People appreciate that, yeah. and I feel like. Uh, Many residents feel like they they know Ryan. They're they. He, I always tell him he started his own TV show at three o'clock every day. <laughs> That's right. That's true. It's very true. But so all of these great <clears throat> services obviously come with a cost. Yet our county is receives the highest bond rating possible. It keeps the tax rate down. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about the the challenge of. How well the county balances that? Sure, the I think uh, Onondaga County has made it look easy, but it's not. All you got to do is look at our neighbors in Monroe County and Erie County and Albany and other large counties around the state of New York, and all of them are under pressure. Before the stimulus money came out, a couple of them went under, and we had you know certainly Erie County went into receivership uh, several years back. Monroe County was two steps away. And we, meanwhile, maintain those top bond ratings. And during the pandemic, when the pandemic first started, uh, the county executive worked very closely with the county legislature and we really implemented an austerity budget and we were planning for the worst. And we put a hold on everything. We had a a early retirement program that was implemented uh, right before the pandemic, but it ramped up after the pandemic, and many many of our county employees took advantage of that. We worked extremely hard to make sure that we tried to avoid layoffs. We ended up furloughing seven employees, and we had 
almost 3,000 employees, uh, which is down from over 5,000 in the early 90s, which is another reason why the county is in such great shape. We've yeah. managed our way. We've divested out of certain services. You know, Van Dyne, we, we sold in Van Dyne. We uh, privatized several services. We consolidated services. Uh, we right-sized things with technology over the years. And those things happen quietly, and they happen behind the scenes. Sometimes they happen very publicly if it's a Van Dyne situation, but frequently it's it's just great, quiet, toiling and anonymity management <laughs> on the behalf of, of the county executive. But the county legislature works with them to fund. We create, we can... Um, we can uh, dissolve positions or, or abolish positions. And I think that process is, is ongoing. So the reason that we're in the best shape of any county, we're in the top 11% of bond ratings in the entire United States. One of the rating agencies has, as you mentioned, has this at the absolute highest bond rating, which really is a snapshot of, of fiscal health. And our county government couldn't be more well-run. I think it's one of the most well-run counties in the United States and probably municipalities. And we do it while having all these world-class services that we can be so proud of. And, and um, that doesn't just happen. It, it does take a very good um, financial leadership and stewardship. And I think you can see that uh, with the elections that happen where people are getting reelected at very high rates. Uh, almost everybody gets reelected every year. And in years where that's not always true, this past year it was, but um, the, the county's very well run. And I know when I went out campaigning during the elections, it's I heard it. It's widely known. Well, the county's very well run, you know. And, and there's, you know, certainly on occasion, there's small groups of people that attack on various issues. But um, I think the people vote on election day and that, that's the report card. And it's been sure. very good over the years. <clears throat> and obviously the... The bond rating not only highlights the fiscal health of the county, as you said, but it also makes you in a better financial position when you need to borrow, things like that. You're always at the advantage going forward in your in your finances because of the sound fiscal management. That is a great point, and that reminds me that uh, the debt loads that the county government has are very low, and we're retiring debt every year. And with the advent of some stimulus money, we're also not borrowing as much and we're paying down more debt. And I, I do think that you mentioned economic development. Part of this is creating things that give the county revenue stream so we don't have to rely on sales tax or, or uh, pro certainly property tax, you know, that we can have a more stable uh, income flow and also a stronger region. And again, I don't mean to um, to Ryan McMahon's horn the whole show here, but um, he really is doing an amazing job on economic development. We've had some huge wins already. There's lots in the pipeline. I think uh, people will see in 2022 some very large victories and announcements coming and, and more after that. And I think it's because of the think big attitude that Ryan has asked not only the county legislature, but really the community to think big. And there's a, not, a lot of uh, negative thoughts in central New York historically, and people are always down and not big on the area and um, don't typically make a lot of um, compliments to, to uh, Syracuse or central New York. I think Ryan 
is doing everything possible to turn that around. And I think a lot of the things that he's done already uh, have helped, but there's more to come. And economic development, I think, is right at the top of his, uh, well, it's, it's in the pie agenda, right? Yep. It's the E in, in the pie agenda. Uh, certainly uh, poverty and infrastructure and economic development, they all work together. And I think the Amazon uh, warehouse uh, warehouses that have come here are certainly going to go a long way in addressing the poverty and, and the economic development uh, portions. And you, you need um, different types of employers to be successful. And I think that's certainly landing the second largest warehouse in the world is a good thing. So it was a very good start. Yep. And with <clears throat> hopefully, like you said, more news soon to come. Yes. So you're 16 years in the legislature. Um, what are some of the committees you've served on and <laughs> some of the I've served on all excitement of them. <laughs> there? Yeah. The, the note. Yeah. Um, and the committees have changed over the years, yeah. but um, I have served on all the committees, and it's part partially a function of being there the longest, for sure. Uh, but I've enjoyed all, all of them. It's, it, I think um, we have, uh, right now we have five program committees in the county. We've had as many as, I believe, eight. Uh, but they every department in the county uh, reports to one of those program committees, and if there's money attached, it goes to the Ways and Means Committee. And then after the Ways and Means uh, considers the money uh, issues, all the, all the items that were considered or passed go to the floor of the legislature for the, the next meeting. So that's, that's the cadence of how we do it. It's all on a, on a, we have a monthly meeting of the county legislature that we call session. That's the first Tuesday of the month. And then the program committees are the week right after that. So anything that comes to today, I served on the Public Safety Committee. So we had... Um, some things come to public safety. I'm the chair currently of the Planning and Economic Development Committee. Uh, that meeting is tomorrow, so we've got some items on that agenda. Um, the Health Committee has been very busy during the pandemic, of course, and obviously the Health Department um, reports to them. Uh, but the, the committee work that, that the legislators do, they really, there's, it, there, it's, there are wonderful um, informational sessions we have on our regularity plus the regular um, uh, business of the legislature, but you'll learn a lot. Um, all the meetings are public; they're all posted online. Um, and then the, the the ways and means, like I mentioned, has all the money items. Um, the only exception to that would be in October and November when we do the budget, and that really is a solid month plus of lots of meetings. The county executive proposes the budget, and then we dispose of it. So we go through and have budget hearings on the whole budget. We break out into caucus work and we work on the budget and then we come up with what's called the Ways and Means Report. And when they adopt that, that becomes the new county budget, which is considered in the county legislative budget session. And at that time, any legislator can stand up and offer amendments and we vote on the amendments, all of them up or down. And if they're if it's a yes vote, they're added in. And if not, they're not. And then we vote, we take the budget vote. And that vote, once you take that budget vote, that's the budget for the next year. It's all done on a calendar year in the county. So the 2022 budget was passed. And there's certainly a lot of exciting things in there. Uh, and then typically after that, we delve immediately into the capital budget. And there's a lot of capital items that we, you know, with infrastructure of the county or buildings, or um, there's certainly a lot coming down the pike. For, uh, we just talked um, today about the evidence storage 
uh, facility that's going to likely be built between the county and the city and all the municipalities for evidence storage. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of a lot that goes on. Not a lot of it's reported on, but sure. it's always always busy. So it's been a lot of fun that you know over the years that the issues change, but that cadence and that process has has always been in place. So <clears throat> one of the things that you're I guess known for and you I know pride yourself on is um, you're an advocate, a strong advocate for our villages. And Town of Manlius, your 10th County Ledge District has three villages. Um, you've, your entire career you've represented in one level of government or another, the village of Manlius. And I know, I know how important that is to you and, and some of the things that you've done to preserve the way of life in our villages. Um, so thank you for that. And I don't know, oh, expand upon some of your thoughts on how the villages interact and Absolutely. within the county. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I, ha I agree. I've been um, a very strong advocate of the villages. We have three in our town. There's 15 in the county. And honestly, villages are little cities. And they have all of the, um, the um, benefit, economic benefit to the community that the city of Syracuse does. So they have the same issues the city of Syracuse has. They have the same impact. If you have a strong city, you have a strong county. If you have a strong village of Manoa, you've got a strong region of Manoa. And it's true for all their 15 little cities. And they have the oldest infrastructure. They have the most character and the most economic activity. So the county legislature, 10 uh, years ago, I um, helped to author the village uh, infrastructure program, um, which was enhanced by Ryan McMahon and our new legislature just a, a couple years ago. Uh, to make it even stronger and better. And that was critical because with the, the new sales tax agreement from 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, uh, the villages took a big hit on revenue. They used to ex uh, benefit from sales tax revenue. They don't get that anymore. So the VIP money has really helped to, to uh, replace much of that now, and now um, most of it. Um, we also have other uh, Main Street improvement grants from the county, community development money from the county, and uh, we have worked, I, I know, very hard to try to get um, um, the best plans put forward. So all 15 villages have been working on that, and they're all in different stages. But I really am thankful that uh, leaving the legislature now, we do have village and local government advocates in the county legislature, not the least of which is my successor, Mark Olson, yeah. the president of the Mayor's Association and current Mayor of Fayetteville, which is outstanding. And we have tremendous advocacy from our County Executive Ryan McMahon, who has embraced the VIP program, the Main Street program, and he's enhanced it and come up with more ways and uh, innovative ways of really helping the villages maximize their potential. And I'm super excited for the future uh, even though I won't be on the legislature, I, I really feel like there's a lot of great things to come for the village of Manlius and all, all of our villages, and that helps strengthen the community the same way that the city of Syracuse needs to be strong, that people talk about all the time, rightfully so. That's true here in Manlius, too, in all, all of our beautiful villages. And we're very grateful, and we're successful almost two years ago in obtaining one of the Main Street revitalization grants for our uh, Main Street project that we have and obtaining $300,000 for some 
improvements mostly along Seneca Street and and some pocket parks that we're going to be putting in in the spring and things like that. And we're very excited for it and, and grateful to you and to Ryan and to the county legislature for that. And hopeful there's a lot more to come. I am confident that there will be more to come. And, and we, we have wonderful people in the legislature now. And uh, like I mentioned, they were all mostly re- all reelected. So I think everybody's on board and the executive team is definitely on board as well. So it should be really great for the villages going forward. Good. So just kind of to wrap, as you reflect back on 30-plus years of public service to our community, to specifically to the village of Manlius, um, you know, what are some of your reflections? Are you going to miss it? Um, I know you're probably not going to miss the amount of time it took to campaign. (laughs) Um, Right, right. Yes, I am going to miss it, and I I am um, forever grateful uh, to all of the people that supported me over the years, and it's been an honor and a privilege to represent the town of Manlius all this 30-plus years. Wonderful uh, citizens here, wonderful board members that I've served with, elected officials, wonderful um, municipal professionals at the village, town, and county levels of government that I've had the honor to work with. And it's, it's been a, a true pleasure and a great experience. Um, however, there's more to life than politics and government. There, those are important things. Sure. Uh, but I also have a lovely wife and family that I'm very much looking forward to spending more time with them. I will still stay involved. I'll still help when asked and uh, participate appropriately. But as you said, I won't be knocking on 7,300 doors <laughs> in the elections anymore, which... I'm also, I am happy about that. It was enjoyable at the time, but uh, there's a, a time and place for everything. But it, it's been wonderful, and I'm uh, truly uh, grateful for uh, having had this great opportunity and to be able to play a small part in helping the community uh, be as, as good as we can be. Who, who would have thought all those years ago when you were, what, 24 and I was 26 that we'd be sitting here as the old guys now? I know. You know it happens so fast. It, it's truly astonishing how quickly life goes by and how fast it is and it doesn't seem like 30 years ago that seems like I don't know maybe nine or ten and of course everybody can say that as you get older but it's very true and things change quickly and you got to enjoy every day and I've enjoyed every day in the in the legislature I'm enjoying my last few days on the legislature I really am it's enjoyable I have a smile on my face all the time. Yes, you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would like to in, enjoy other parts of life now that I haven't been able to quite as much because of the in, level of involvement. So that'll be wonderful, too. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, Kevin, thank you for your time here today. Thank you for your service to our community. It is much appreciated, and uh, we'll look forward to continuing to work with you on uh, you know, things for the, for the good of our community, as you said. Likewise, thank you for your service, and thank you for having me on your show. All right, and uh, stay tuned for the next edition of our podcast, be coming sometime in January. Thank you.